TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. This is Computer Talk with Tab, hosted by Eric Semmel of Tab Computer Systems. Interact with Eric and his guest by phone at 522-WTIC or 1-800-966-WTIC. Email them in the studio at gethelpattabinc.com or get help anytime at computertalkwithtab.com. Now, here's Eric. And good morning. This is Computer Talk with Tab. I'm Eric. And I'm Bob. And we're going to be here till 11 o'clock this morning. Feel free to get online, 800-966-WTIC, 522-WTIC. I want to apologize now. I'm all hopped up on cold medicine, so you know what can happen. Um, let me get right to the news here for you. We've got uh, Google Chrome has a zero-day uh, flaw. So please, 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 please go up and go out and update your Chrome browser if you're using the beach ball. It looks like a little beach ball, right? So go up there and update the Chrome browser. All you do is go to Help and About, and Chrome will update automatically. Um, if you don't, you're going to be vulnerable uh, to a zero-day flaw that allows... Uh, folks to do some bad things to your to your system. So please do it. First thing you think about this morning, if you're using Chrome, update it. Um, you got to do that. Then you won't have to call us for a fix. Right. <laughs> now, speaking of browsers, Bob, you had a thing you wanted to bring up oh, about yeah. browsers. <clears throat> Microsoft's Chromium-based Edge leaked screenshots make it look like Chrome. So yes. remember in the past we've talked about how Microsoft got rid of their browser team? Yes, because they stopped. They decided that they just they can't beat them, so they're going to join them. So we were talking before about some people that uh, had called in and uh, installed Chromium mm-hmm. on their computer because they thought it was the same as Google Chrome, which it's not. No. And Chromium is an open source browser. Right. Okay, and it has its own organization. But the point is, is that it's open source. Right. So Microsoft... I said anybody can take the Chromium open source software and create their own web browser. Right. And they can inject nefarious things things into it. Yes. So Microsoft took this open source, and they're making it their own. Right. So the information is kind of leaking. So their new Edge browser. Right, which is now based on open source is what Bob's getting. It's not based on Microsoft software. It's based on open source. So Microsoft dumped their own design team and their own software to go to open source. That should tell you something about their software. <laughs> if it doesn't, I don't have to tell you. So anyway, <laughs> the uh, leaked screenshots, yes. that's the previews, yes. makes it look like Chrome. Oh, it does. <laughs> oh, it looks like the beach ball, huh? <laughs> exactly. Mm, great. So yeah, that's being original. Yeah, we'll take our billions and save our money. Well, you know how the old song goes. Remember how Mr. Uh, you know they they turned their heads and made them cough. Uh, <laughs> Every OS sucks. <laughs> yeah, they ripped their interfaces off. So uh, typical Microsoft. Uh, again, we wouldn't recommend we wouldn't recommend the Edge browser. We'd recommend anything other than the Microsoft browsers. Chrome is a good browser. Firefox, um, they've had their issues lately. But uh, another news uh, we found this recently with some clients, and I, I couldn't believe it. Uh, you know how you shut down your computer, Bob, when you go to start and shut down in Windows 10. And you think you shut it down? You may not have. (laughs) (laughs) So if you think you're shutting your computer down, um, you need to make sure that you've turned off fast startup. Because basically, if you have fast startup enabled, 
when you shut down your computer, you're not actually shutting it down. So a lot of times when, you, when people talk about you know, rebooting or having a nice, clean, fresh start of your machine every morning, right? We all like to have a fresh start when we wake up and do the same thing with your computer, right? You start up your machine from a shutdown. It was technically never shut down if you had fast startup enabled. So that means that the directions are now correct where it tells you if you want to shut down your computer, go to start. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> so what's happening is they're not getting a nice, fresh, clean reboot uh, when you shut your machine down and bring it up in the morning if fast startup is enabled. Now, if you have a solid state drive, you do not need fast startup because your system already is going to start up fast. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we're going to put a link up here for you as far as how to turn off fast startup um, so that when you do shut your system down, it actually shuts down as part of the what the power settings do. It's under your defined. Uh, it's under your power configurations. You're going to see a, a little box there that says "Turn on fast startup recommended." Well, if you really want it to shut down, don't turn that on. Um, if you now, ironically, if you reboot your computer, restart it, as it were, you actually do do a clean restart. But if you shut it down. Only in Microsoft is this possible. If you shut it down with fast startup enabled, quote unquote recommended, you're not actually shutting it down. You just can't make this stuff up. So we'll put a link up here explaining this for you. It's a nice life life hacker article. We actually found it in our practice yesterday. One of our engineers was dealing with a, uh, with, with a client who's an, actually also an engineer, <laughs> designing all sorts of cool stuff. And he looked at his system and it hadn't been restarted or shut down in like a month. And the guy kept saying, I swear I shut this thing down every day. <laughs> well, he had fast startup checked. So we'll put a link up here for you. And you can make the adjustment. Now, if you're running a traditional hard drive, you may want to use fast startup. But just understand that when you're shutting it down, you're not actually shutting it down. You have to reboot it to actually shut it down. Yes, You're putting Microsoft it into logistics. some sort of modified sleep. It's, it's like a hibernation, yeah. yeah. Um, which doesn't give you that clean, that clean, fresh boot in the morning. In other news, both Bob and I brought this in. You want to talk about the smart, unhackable car alarms? <laughs> uh, these guys, <laughs> these guys put out a car alarm system that was deemed unhackable, and uh, basically, three million vehicles now are open to hackers. <laughs> Uh, the moment you call a product unhackable, you're just asking for the guys to say, oh, really? That's like the Titanic was unsinkable. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those things where the, the hacker goes, hold my beer. Here we go. <laughs> uh, so what do you, you want to talk about the article you found about it? Well, well, yeah, it says that, I don't know, that this smart alarm uh, left 3 million cars vulnerable to hackers. And mm -hmm. the, basically the bottom line is, according to the company that actually make, oh, there's two of them mm -hmm. that, uh, may, that make it, but um, it's the Pandora car alarms. Pa car Pandora alarms. and Viper. And Viper, yeah. Viper's the biggest. Mm -hmm. But what they did is they created an app, or they had some third party create an app, ah, yes. so that they could uh, remotely control the security system in your car. In your car, right, which is a feature to have on your smartphone. It's, it's a great who'd feature. Wanna, who'd want to use a key with or a fob? <laughs> exactly. Who wants to use a key or a fob? When you can use, get rid of the key fob. Just use your smartphone. Yeah, have it talk to the internet, and it talks to your car system, and then of course. So the guess what? Are. They wrote this app. It was it was perfectly well written. Yes, sure. Okay, yeah. and then. They did an update to oh, the smartphones, and that good. opened up a vulnerability in the app. Not good. Now, <laughs> not only could compromising the smart alarm systems result in the vehicle, uh, the vehicle's type and owner's details be stolen, but the car could also be unlocked, the alarm disabled, and the vehicle tracked 
The microphones could be compromised. Why you would have a microphone in your car alarm system is beyond me. And you could you could actually have some well, sort of immobilizer to be hijacked. The microphones are built into the car. If you have your car that's able to be uh, synchronized, you know, by Bluetooth to your smartphone, so you can talk to your car. Say so you car. know how you can make it hands free with your car. Well, yeah, sure, okay, all right. So there's a microphone there. I mean, that's there. All right. So. It is what it is. It is <laughs> it's what it is, all right. Um, so basically, uh, the moral of the story is do not call your product unhackable if you just want some guy. Well, they never actually hacked into the security system. No. It's the app that they allowed to control the security system that was hackable. <laughs> yeah. Not good. So we'll put a link up here for you to read all about it. And uh, they, they, the team even found that some the same bug could be compromised compromise the vehicle's engine system. Oh, yeah. They can shut your engine off. At will. Which would While not, you're running. Which would not be a very safe thing. Remember what happened with GM well, and the ignition the, systems? Imagine driving 65 miles an hour and your car shuts off. Well, you Bad know, they, news. they did that so that, let's say if your car was stolen. You'd want to kill it. The police would come by and they could send a signal out when they pulled over the car to, to, to turn it off so right. they can't drive off. Which is a neat feature. Car. If it's, it's a neat feature if it's used in the right hands. It's uh, a bad open, feature if, it, if some Let's open of, that up to the world. Yeah. <laughs> Let the black hats at it. Yeah. So they're all uh, hacking your system and three million cars vulnerable. Any, anything else you want to bring up, Bob? Yeah. Blockbuster. Oh, Blockbuster. Blockbuster. Who goes to Blockbuster? Do you remember Blockbuster? Ah, used they to love used going to be there. everywhere. Yeah. Okay. They used to have nine thousand stores worldwide. Oh my goodness. Okay. Uh, video they VHS. Had Sixty thousand employees at one time. Okay. No way. Yeah. And their uh, market value was estimated at uh, five billion, and revenues were five point nine billion dollars in renting VHS tapes. Yes, they Hold were a big moly. deal. In twenty ten. Things yeah. changed as it filed for bankruptcy. Three right. years later, the parent company, Dish, announced plans to shut down the remaining company-owned Blockbuster stores in the U.S. by January of 2014, mm. which, yeah, there's still empty stores around, I see, as we're driving around. Mm. But the point is is that— They were disrupted, all right. They were uh, franchise stores. So yeah. the, the second-to-last franchise store just closed mm-hmm. in Morley, Western Australia, closed its doors. So that leaves one Blockbuster store— open in the world, and it's in Bend, Oregon. Really? It's the only branch on Earth after the Australian store had had its final day of rentals on Wednesday, according to the Australian Associated Press. You don't need, yeah, you don't need to rent it anymore. You can just stream what you do. I just go to Amazon Prime and well, rent my movie basically, for five bucks and call it a day. It was the streaming, and I'll, I'll say probably Netflix uh, being the biggest and the yeah. one of the first that really started Blockbuster on its downward. And they made all their money start. on late fees. They didn't really make all their money on the actual rental. They were making their money on not, you're not bringing it back. Well, that's just like the banks. They make their money on when you overdraw. <laughs> you're right. So we're going to be here till 11 o'clock, guys. We have uh, three lines open for you. Feel free to get online. 800-966-WTIC, 522-WTIC. This is Computer Talk with Tab on WTIC. We'll be right back. And we are back. This is Computer Talk with Tab. We're going to be here till 11 o'clock. Three lines wide open. Yes, we start the show at 9. You guys all wake up at 10, but we do start at 9. <laughs> Feel free to get online if you want to talk about computers or comments or concern about computers in general and technology in general or artificial intelligence. 
which is kind of an oxymoron. Um, feel free to get online. We'll do our best to help you out. Let's go right to your calls. We're going to go first to Sherry in West Hartford. Hey, Sherry, what's up? Oh, hi. hi. Thanks, guys. I, I love this program. Oh, thanks. Um, I have a quick question. I'm running Windows 7, mm-hmm. and I have Picasa on okay. the hard drive, and I love that program. And I know that they've now migrated over to Google Photos, and yes. I've tried Google Photos, and I, I don't like it. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering two things. One, is there another photo um, program that you would recommend? And two, I'm still using Picasa, and it seems to be working okay. Mm-hmm. However, my computer is like five years old, and I'm wondering... Is there a way of migrating the program from my hard drive to a different, so I can save it? You want to keep using it to the new machine? Yes, I, I really enjoy it. Yeah, well, Google says, n- you know, you really can't use it anymore. Um, I'm not sure they're going to make it easy for you. But I can see, because you're not alone, um, there is a there is an article back in 2012 that tells you how to do it. But does... <laughs> Uh-oh. I missed out? Uh, probably. Oh. So I do know that maybe I'm. I think I'm. I'm correct in saying this that maybe Photoshop Elements has a way to manage photos. Um, Photoshop Elements. I think so. I think I've heard that. I have to look up further. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe some of our digital camera folks can call in with some suggestions as to how to do some um, album photo album management. Yeah, but I it's mean, never. I know that they're saying Google Photos is better, but but I don't think so. Well, sure. No, that's fine. That's your prerogative. Right. Um, but the pro- the problem is, anytime a, a software is deprecated, trying to keep using it is really at, at your at your peril. Mm-hmm. Anytime you're going to lose access to it, or they're just going to, you know, something's not going to work, and you're going to be like, oh, geez, all my photos are un- unavailable. Um, so you almost have to you have to get with the new stuff. Um, but I don't have any suggestions other than um, doing some research. Uh, I'm trying to think of where you can also go to find some research on what software is out there, but I want to say Photoshop Elements had some sort of cataloging or or album built into it in some way, shape, or form. But and maybe that, you don't know of any program. Like, what I like about Picasso is you know you've got albums and folders right. and everything's neatly done, and and everything has been labeled, of course, over the years. And now when it when it, you push it over to Google Photos, you lose all that. Right. So and the, they're not the, nicely involved in fo- folders or albums. Or, it's a mess over there. <laughs> well, there is some stuff. I can put some links up here about how to learn, you know, lo- learning Google Photos. You should be able to move the stuff from Picasa to Photos to your satisfaction as far as keeping all the metadata the way you want it. Um, there is a, a link I can put up there for you. Okay. Um, and that might be helpful. There's a webcast this guy did explaining this back in 2017. Okay. Um, and that might be helpful for you. Because if you, you really can't beat him, you, you have to join him. I know. I don't like clubs that you have to join. <laughs> <laughs> I like to have the decision in my and Picasso just is perfect for us. But and I and I backed up all my photos. Well, that's good. Case. Where'd you back them up? I backed uh, onto a hard drive, a separate hard drive. That's disconnected from your computer, right? Absolutely. All right, very good. Yeah, absolutely. It's at least a, it's a bare minimum backup, but it's better than nothing. Right, right. And I was just thinking that there's no way of the program itself getting it off of the hard drive and backing and, and putting it to a different one. Well, not that I know of, because okay. it, again, there's a 2012 article that talks about doing that, but it's it's a it's a program that's been deprecated, so yeah. I doubt it's going to run in Windows 10 very well okay. if it runs at all. I don't even want Windows 10. I love 7, and I know they're going. Uh, yep, January 2020, you'll no longer get any updates for Windows 7. Yeah, I know. I'm going to have to switch over. Oh uh, my. Okay. What eventually, eventually, Sherry. Progress, they say. Yeah, uh, planned obsolescence, as they say at Apple. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, thanks a lot. I'll look up that Photoshop elements. See yeah, check going. it out. I could be wrong. Um, and there, we'll put um, we'll put this other link up here for you as far as how to use Google uh, Google Photos. Okay, thanks a lot. I really appreciate it. All right, Cherry. Bye bye. Bye bye. Yeah, it's very frustrating. I've got you know, in our world of uh, IT support for small businesses. I mean. You're sitting there. You've planned out your your software, your configurations. You buy this big, you know, multi-axle, you know, cutting machine that runs on Windows Seven, and the the machine costs you know a quarter million dollars, and you've got this computer that runs it, running Windows Seven, and you're building some sort of you know part for Pratt and Whitney, and they're like, well, you know, DFARS or eight hundred one seventy one NIST compliance means you got to upgrade that Windows Seven box because you're not going to get support anymore, and the manufacturer of that cutting machine says, well, it's going to cost you a hundred grand for that new software. <laughs> and you're saying, well, I can still cut the part perfectly with Windows 7. Why do I need to change it? Well, because Microsoft said they're not going to update it anymore. Welcome to our world. Let's go to Guy in West Hartford. Hey, Guy. Hi, fellas. Hey. Good morning to you. Yeah, morning to you. Hey, uh, my question today is about uh, email encryption. And yeah. For example, I you know I've got a secure connection to an email provider to through TLS trans, transport layer security. Mm -hmm. But how do I know that once my email hits my provider, that it's going to be encrypted in the hops on way to its destination? You don't. You have to use email encryption to actually encrypt the message. Mm -hmm. You have to use a third party. So uh, third parties that you might be aware of are like Zix. Zix is a service if you want to use it for business, to encrypt your message. Um, I think ProtonMail right. out of Switzerland offers encrypted email. Sure, I've heard of ProtonMail. So you can check that out. And I think it's free. Right. Now, we've always said if it's free, you're the commodity, but they don't. They say they're not making any money off you. I don't know <laughs> why they're doing it out of the kindness of their hearts, but right. um, you can check that out. But you need an encrypted mail. You have to encrypt your message in order to know it's encrypted. So does that mean it... Uh Hackers can actually read and interpret mail email that people are sending. Well, it's it's easier to to just simply send you an email guy that says, "Hi, we're from such and such. Please enter your credentials because you you need to change." And you say, "Okay," and you put the information in and you give them access. A hacker is not really working real hard to read your email. They're just tricking people into That's giving really them their password. Really, not hacking. It's phishing. It's yeah, it's phishing. They're they're saying, "Hey, do you have Prince Albert in a can?" You're like, "Yes, I do," and you give them your password. <laughs> There's um, a lot of uh, security um, techniques uh, that email systems have, and you know we don't have the time to go into them today. But can you can you guys recommend any single source, like uh, you know, I mean, other than trial and error and, and doing queries on the uh, internet? Can you recommend a book or source or an author for someone that describes you know how the different um, email security protocols work and how best to use them? Uh, we can probably find something out there for you, yes. The biggest key, though, is your email is pretty much the entry point for all, quote-unquote, hacking, right? Right. So you, can, you need to make like a 15-character password that is super hard. Um, it's something you, you couldn't remember even if you tried. Yeah. Write it down. Never use that password anywhere else. And then use a two-factor authentication on top of it so when you access that email... It's very safe. And then don't fall victim to a phishing scheme, right? You can have this great, beautiful password that right. you've set up, but then somebody just emails you and says, hey, guy, we're from suchandsuch.com email provider that you use. Uh, we need to authenticate you. Please enter your information. And you say, okay. Yeah. That's not a security breach. That's literally somebody saying, 
they're knocking at your front door and you're letting them in. And then there's social engineering where somebody from Microsoft Windows calls you up and says, right. hey, there's a problem with your computer. Uh, we, you need to let us in. Right. And, and what's it, your password? <laughs> right. Don't, don't forget the And your credit card scams. number. <laughs> what did you say, Guy? Don't forget the CEO scams where somebody sends an email to an employee and says, hey, uh, you know, guy said to wire uh, $50,000 right. to the, on this invoice. Can you, can you expedite it? Exactly. So we, at TAB, we have a whole uh, security awareness training program that we offer to our clients to get their people smarter about these things. But you, we can add all the security on the planet, right? We could, we could encrypt it. We can, we can do all sorts of things to make sure this, the data is protected. But when you are giving them opening the door because they ask for it, there is nothing in the world that we can do to stop that from happening other than training. So we'll put a link up there for some of the information on, on security protocols within email, but it really gets back down to you. Exactly. All right. All right, guy. Thanks for your advice. Hey, thank you, sir. We're going to be here till 11 o'clock. Feel free to get online, 1-800-966-WTIC, 522-WTIC. We'll be right back after the news. This is Computer Talk with Tab. I'm Eric. And I'm Bob. And Bob is Bob Shorey. He's one of the MCSCs at Tab. He comes in and helps me out with your computer problems, comments, questions, and concerns. We're here till 11 o'clock. Feel free to get online, and we'll do our best to help you out. Two lines open for you. 1-800-966-WTIC, 522-WTIC. If you're listening over radio.com on the stream, um, feel free to call in. 800-966-WTIC. TIC loves paying those long-distance calls, and we love seeing them. <laughs> So feel free to get online um, from uh, anywhere in the country, 800-966-WTIC. So let's go to your calls. We're going to go to Char in Avon next. Hey, Char, what's up? Okay, so you have to understand that I know really a little bit about computers. Um, okay. I have Outlook 7, mm -hmm. um, and I have iPhones. When I, when I send a photograph of uh, an item to my home um, I I use my email and I send it to my computer. Mm -hmm. I open up the email and I open up the photos, and they're always um, they're not they're not upright. They're they're to the left or to the right, sometimes upside down. Now what I've done is I've asked other people with iPhones to send me the exact thing, mm -hmm. and. They'll CC another person, and the other person opens it up. They're perfectly fine. On my computer, they're all sideways, upside down. <laughs> I mean, it, it, I don't know what to do. It, it, it happens with all of the phones, the iPhones that um, are being sent mm. to my computer. And I know now it's the computer, and not, I thought it was me taking the pictures. Yeah, I think your computer's upside down. <laughs> <laughs> That doesn't help me. <laughs> no, it doesn't. But it was funny. I'm trying to think of how that's happening to you, Shar. So you have an idea, Bob? Well, what what application are you using to open the uh, photos in? I use, I, use, I guess, um, Outlook. But you use it from your friends, too. When, when your friends send the same photos, right, the same ones that you took, yep. they come to you the right way. No. Oh. They come, they come crooked. In other words, they'll send it out correctly. Uh -huh. And I'll, what I'll do is I'll send the photo and I'll CC somebody on it. Sure, sure. 
okay, when I CC them on it, they open it up in their computer perfectly fine. I open them up in my computer, you know, and they're they're always just they're always <laughs> sideways or I don't know how to fix it. Oh, this is funny. I've never seen this before. I know. Uh. And I was on the phone with iPhone and I went to their store I went to Apple store mm-hmm. and they couldn't figure it out and they said oh, it's boy. gotta be your computer. Well they're the geniuses. So they're not blaming that they're saying the phone is not the issue. It's not it's the, the computer. Issue. Yeah. So, so. What what I do is when I get a photo, I don't open it up in the email. I save it to a folder or to the desktop or something. And then when yep. I open it with the photo viewer that's built mm-hmm. into Windows 10, yeah, it has a little icon up there that'll let you rotate it. I do all of that. First of all, I have seven, and when I get the photos, I send like four at a time. Yep. I'll go. I'll go to open, save attachments. And I save it in my download file or mm-hmm. on my desktop, no matter where I save it. Uh, I then open it up, and invariably, it is always uh, distorted. Okay, so uh, there, it is iPhone's problem. It is? I did a quick search and found it. Um, it says right here, the issues originate back to when iOS 5 was released. Um, they're blaming... The it has to do with uh, when you snap a photo with the, with the volume up button. That's why the images flip when you email them or transfer them. I'm not making this up. This is a 2014 article. So the, the geniuses didn't take a second. I, I really didn't. I mean, it doesn't take a, a rocket sci- I mean, rocket scientist to try to figure this stuff out. It, it looks like it is an Apple issue. What version of iOS are you running? Is it an older iPhone? Um, well, I yes, it's. I have a 6s plus. Mm-hmm. So, according to this site, this is an iPhone issue, <clears throat> and uh, I can we can put the link up here for you. Maybe you have to update your iOS. Have you not done that in a while? I don't know how to do that. <laughs> did the geeks over at the Genius Bar tell you to update, or did they even look at it? No, what they did was they, they, they really messed me up because they put oh, me boy. back on, um, you know, market. When I first got the phones, I lost a lot of stuff, and ugh. You lost you know, stuff? So, well, I lost some of my, um, like when I, I have my contacts in my phone, I had to re-enter them and stuff, so I don't know. Yikes. That's yeah, not supposed so to work that way. I have way. to update my iOS on my well, phone. Well, I'm going to put this link up here because I don't have enough time on the program to read the article. Okay, but it sure. does look like it's an iPhone problem. Oh. Um, and they show you how to fix it. They talk about how to fix it. Um, now, this is has to do with iOS 5, and it could be still legacy. Um, oh, as far okay. as some sort of issue within the iPhone iOS, and I'm sure there's Apple okay. people up out there saying, no, it doesn't happen to me. Well, oh my gosh. this guy so says I, it is. I just go to your website, and there's a link? Yep, go to computertalkwithtab.com, the name of the show.com, which also works. Okay. And it has to do with, I don't know, orientation tags that are not being acknowledged, oh, uh, whatever that gosh. means. Um, so it's a feature. And uh, they talk about how to how to correct it. I guess how do I deal with this terrible <laughs> difficulty in my life? Um, and we're going to put a link here as to also how to update your phone to see if you can oh, update okay. it. Now that might not be the solution to this problem, but it has to do with when you're hitting something to do with the volume up and the shutter with your right hand's pointer finger. I don't know. You got to take it oh. with your left hand's thumb. So instead of taking it with you're holding it wrong is what's happening here. As Apple has said in the past, when they couldn't make phone calls, you were holding it wrong. It looks like you're taking pictures, you're holding it wrong. Uh, it has to do with how you're taking the picture as far as how it orient, 
orients the, the photo itself, believe it or not. Oh, my gosh. So it is me. It, well, it's you, but it's, it's also Apple, and the geniuses should have been able to tell you that. That's why they're uh, geniuses, right? Yeah. Oh, gosh. Thank you so much. Well, we'll see. Up on your website. Yeah, it'll be there for you. Hopefully this is what's happening. It's how you're taking I'll the picture. I'll let you know if it works. All right. Let it, yes. Call into the complaint department and let us know if it didn't work. We'll <laughs> refund your, your money. <laughs> Double your money back. Yeah. All right, Char. Oh, okay. Good Thanks luck. so much. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. It's so funny when you go. It, it, it is common with IT, right? You're like, oh, it's not us. It's got to be something else. Um, the problem with, I think, with a lot of Apple folks is they would just they can't they can't imagine it's the Apple device that could be causing the problem. I mean, they don't even bother going there. Being the cynic that you guys all know that I am, I don't believe in any of the technology out there working the way, no matter what brand or model or make. Uh, so I just assume the worst to begin with. Let's go to. Uh, you know what? We probably have to go to a break here. Um, so we're going to step out, Matt, and take a quick break. Now all the lines are jammed up, which is great. 1-800-966-WTIC-522-WTIC. We'll take a quick break, and we'll be right back. If that doesn't wake you up, I don't know what will. This is Computer Chat. <laughs> we're going to be here until 11 o'clock. Feel free to get online. Yes, the great Bill Chase. If you're a trumpet player, you know who he is. We're going to be here till 11. Let's get right to your calls. We're going to go right to William in Hartford next. Good morning, William. Uh, good morning, guys. Good morning. What can we do for you, sir? Uh, my question is, uh, I'm hearing ads on the radio for Norton VPN. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering, do I need VPN? Uh, is Norton the best solution? Is there a better one? Et cetera. Yeah, so VPN is kind of try to help you to use the Internet, quote-unquote, more privately. So when you, you're going to connect to the VPN at Norton, and then you're going to be able to you know browse the internet um, without people really quote, people being whichever people are going to look at what you're doing on the internet in a negative light. Uh, Maybe bad guys, yeah. bad guys, good guys. It depends on who, which side you're on, depending on what you're surfing. Um, but it's going to be at Norton, right? So who do you think they're going to subpoena when they want to find out from William in Hartford where he's been surfing? Uh, probably going to go to uh, Norton. Yeah. So I don't know how secure that would be if, if, if you think um, browsing through Norton versus browsing through your own internet provider is going to make any difference. Um, a lot of third-party VPNs have even found out that they were using local DNS anyways um, to actually give you the site you're going to. So believe it or not, your own local DNS still had the history of where you're going, even though you're going through VPN because they didn't use the VPN's DNS. Um, uh-huh. So I guess the answer to your question is, I don't know that it's going to improve your security necessarily, considering if they want to subpoena Norton and say, hey, where was William from Hartford surfing? I suspect Norton will cough that up in a in a New York minute, if I had to guess. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they're going to guarantee you that no matter what happens, it's encrypted, and they just can't get at the data. But Are they well, I, to... I can't imagine anybody really wants to know what I'm looking at, but I, I don't want uh, well, that's the, other the point. wrong people trying to get into my bank account. No, apparently. yeah. So the VPN can maybe give you some some security there. So good point, William. If it's purely for surfing bank accounts when you want to go in a public area and you just have no other choice but to look at what's in your bank account when you're at a Starbucks, right, then your yeah. VPN is a better way to do it. Yeah, I yeah. would tell you not to do it at when all. You, when you're going through a VPN, your traffic is encrypted. Right. So that somebody that can get on, let's say if you're at a Starbucks or right. McDonald's or something, right. and you're using their wireless, they can't use a packet sniffer to see what you're doing. Right. So in that case, there's value. Or if you're in a hotel room, right? If you're going to be or on vacation. 
Um, anywhere where there's another network that someone else can get, get on board. If, if you're doing some surfing of any kind of sensitive information like financial or banking or what have you, a VPN will protect you from them. Okay. If, if that makes sense. So do you do that a lot? Do you find yourself in those public areas checking your no, bank account? No, I don't. In fact, I have <laughs> unlimited data on my cell phone, so I use Verizon to go on the Internet if I'm in some kind of a public place. So you use your own little hotspot that you create, the William hotspot. Yep. Yeah, that's a nice, safe way to do it. So you're safe. Yeah. There's nobody else going to get on the William hotspot unless your password is All right. password. All right. So, so, so your your question, your answer is, eh, maybe, maybe not. I think if you're in a public area and using, yeah. uh, not using your own hotspot, you should use a VPN if you really must um, access any kind of sensitive information. Another quick question: If I put my my PC to sleep. Rather than turning it off, is it still secure? Uh, it's, it hasn't changed the security level. It's just sleeping. Um, so, I it, assume if it's off, it's nobody can if it's, look at anything. That's a good assumption. But even you know, you can do wake up on LAN, right? So if your computer is configured to wake up on LAN, the bad guy could ping your 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 network card and wake it up. Turn it on. Okay, well, it's not. All so. right, you're good. So, yeah, leave it in sleep, leave it turned off. The bad guys are probably not going to go after it. Yeah, okay. That's right. what I needed. Thank you so much. You, you got love it, Love your show. Thank you. Um, but VPN, good point. I mean, if you're going to be using it in any kind of public area, you should be on a VPN. Don't just sit there in the middle of a Starbucks on a wide-open network and do anything that you're... <laughs> Don't assume the guy sitting behind you isn't peeking over your shoulder. Yeah, well, t- yeah technologically speaking. Exactly. Let's go to Joe in Litchfield. Good morning, Joe. Hi, hi, America. Yes, uh, I'm on security stuff here this morning. Yeah, that's good. Uh, I never heard of this VPN anyway, but mm-hmm. I was. Um, I want to know about the, the web root. Uh, yeah. Using the web root with uh, malware bytes on my computer. Do they have any conflict there? Yeah, you shouldn't need both. Only no. one or the other. If you're using malware bytes as your antivirus tool, then you can leave just the one. Um, but I, I'm going to get WebRoot. I want WebRoot on. Uh, I have a, like a one computer I use just kind of like secure stuff, you know, banking yeah. and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So I will be getting that for you know all the computers here, which right. are there's several mm-hmm. in our house. So I'll be I will be getting that. So I shouldn't need well malware bytes on there then, right? Correct. You could turn malware bytes off as far as actively watching your system and only use it as a remediation tool. I see. Okay. Yeah, of course, we also have OpenDNS on our on our router as well. You're a safe. You're going to be in much good, much safer environment. Then, okay. nice job, nice job, Joe. Um, one of the computers is a Mac. That should not be a problem. I wouldn't think. Uh, I would think that that their system could cover yep. all computers. Right? Yep. There's um, there's WebRoot for Apple. Now, will uh, WebRoot protect us if we go, say, in a hotspot or in a hotel? Or, I, mean, I don't know if you're talking about VPN just now. Yeah. <laughs> just learn something. Yeah, it will. It will be there for you. If you take it with you, it'll be on your computer, and it'll so protect I, That you. would be redundant to have that uh, WebRoot and VPN, I presume. No, a VPN is different. So WebRoot is for malicious files and, and attacks from viruses. The VPN is if you're sitting in your hotel room, and the guy in the next room over is on the same network as you, right? Because you're on the hotel's network. It's an open uh-huh. network. They can use a tool that Bob brought up called a packet sniffer, right, Bob? Yes. And they can detect where you're surfing. Oh. And so a VPN makes your surfing encrypted. What a packet sniffer does, it allows you to view 
all the data that's that's sent over the uh, internet. So if you send, as you're entering keystrokes and and you send something to a website, let's say your password or your logon, uh, you know, then they if it's they not encrypted, it. they can capture it. Right, and a lot of websites these days you'll see are encrypted with HTTPS, meaning the communication right. is secure, but still a VPN yeah. makes it more secure. Now, is that VPN, is that something you access just uh, temporarily and you get on and out? You could put it on and off. Well, I mean, you, I have, you, I have uh, we have uh, DNS, and I'm thinking VPN, <laughs> DNS. You're like, like oh. How many letters here? It's a lot of letters. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, only when you're in a public area and you're surfing the Internet and you have no choice, you should do it through a VPN so you're more secure. You can pop that on and off anytime. Correct, uh, but you have to pay somebody for that service. So the caller okay. was talking about Norton offering that technology. I see. So you got to pay pay the folks at Norton to get on their v, to get on their VPN connection, so you can surf the internet more securely. Great. Okay. Okay. Appreciate it, Mel. All right, Joe. Very much for your help. Yep. Good luck, sir. Bye bye. Bye bye. It is a lot of acronyms. We're sorry. That's the world of geekdom. But it happens in, in legal worlds and engineering worlds. Everyone's got their acronyms. So yeah, just... And sometimes the acronyms are the same from one industry to the next. <laughs> I think RTFM you know, is pretty much universal. Oh, let's, go to, let's go to Bob in Windsor Locks next. Hey, Bob. Hey, how you doing? Let me get you off speaker. Hang on. All right, great. Hi. Um, I got a laptop, and I've been getting – well, first of all, I want to tell you on your recommendation, I bought the Pixel 3 XL phone. Oh, do you like it? I love it. Are you using Google Fi too? Uh, I'm not sure. But that would be I your... just got it, so I'm still playing with it. Is it a is it a seamless connection, and you're using Google Fi for your cellular, or are you using Verizon or any of the other big boys? Oh, Verizon. Ah, uh, okay. Well, you could have saved even more by using Fi, but that's okay. You're still going to like the Pixel. Uh, I love it so far. All right, good. So okay. what's up? Um, well, I actually I got two questions. Well, first one is I keep getting a, a C prompt box pop up. And across the top of the box, it says C colon backslash Windows backslash Microsoft.net backslash framework backslash V2.0.5072 backslash um, INSTA install utility.exe. Yikes. That's what it says in the, like in the address box when that pops up. Yeah, something's trying to load something on here for you. Um, so V.2.0.5072, and then what's after that? It's backslash, and usually it looks like install utility.exe. So something in your startup, right, Bob? Yeah, but it sounds like it's trying to do like a .NET update. Hmm. Because it's in the yeah. .NET. It's a, maybe a, a service pack, a .NET framework service pack. You're right. Hmm. And sometimes it, it sort of it won't let me do anything else. Why? It, why the screen is on top of my like if I'm in if I'm in um, you know like uh, Facebook or whatever, and um, when it's on top, I can't do anything else. And then it closes down. Sometimes it only the screen only flashes. I could see that it pops. It's there. Then it goes away instantly. And you're running Windows Seven, probably right? No, nope, Windows Ten. Hmm. With Classic Shell. <laughs> to bring it back to seven, if that means something. Um, well, I do see some some um, information about this. It is does seem to be a some sort of .NET framework installation utility that's trying to run. Um, but, 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 but I'm trying to figure out how to correct it for you, like if there's a Microsoft fix it or something. 
for it. We may have to put you on hold and do a little research on it. Unless, Bobby, did you get lucky and find it already? Not yet. All right. Um, but it is definitely something to do with Microsoft. It's, a, it's part of the Microsoft operating system, and it's the .NET framework that is giving you this error. All righty. So, uh, and, yep, go ahead. Uh, I'm trying to find an answer for you. Well, you know what? We're going to put you on hold. All right, Bob, okay. do a little research during the break. It's actually perfect timing, if that makes sense. We'll do a little okay. more research and find a good article for you. Um, the we... other question I have is a real quick one. I got a all in, well, it's on my, my desktop downstairs. I got an all-in-one printer, yeah. and I use it I use it for for my business mostly. I used to be able to scan and to, to make a file so I could email it to somebody. Yeah. Now, when I when I open up the utility that came with the printer, it says the scan option is not available or whatever. Yeah. Everything else on the printer works fine. I can copy. I can you know I can I can scan through the USB port in front of it, the printer. But I can't scan it to a file on my computer. Okay. I'm just wondering if I can do it if I wanted to update. Uh, yeah, you probably want to update the driver, but hang on, Bob. We're coming against a hard break, okay? Okay, go ahead. All right, we're going to put a Bob on hold and get back to more of your calls. One line up and for you. This is Computer Talk. We'll be right back. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. The clock at four. Doncic. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.